0: Well, Michael Walker is the number one in Kansas City. But is he the winner the Royals so desperately need? I'll tell you next on Locked on Royals. You are Locked on Royals, your daily Kansas City Royals podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. First things first, thank you for tuning in to another edition of Locked On Royals and the Locked On Podcast Network. As always, I'm your host, Jack Johnson. You can give me a follow on Twitter at underscore 15 That's at johnyj underscore 15. It's also very easy to find us on wherever you download your podcast. That can be Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Be our next subscriber. We're about five or so away from 800. Our goal is to get to 1,000 by opening day. 2024. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel. There's a lot of bowl games still going on. We're gonna have the college football playoffs coming up, college basketball, near in conference play, and the NFL playoffs are right around the corner. So stop wasting time and go and create your FanDuel account today. So easy to use and so much money you can get from those sports bets. So go and create your account after you watch this podcast episode today. If you're a first-time listener, of course, welcome in. We always love new listeners here on the Locked On Podcast Network. If you want to know a little bit more about me, well, I work here in Kansas City in the the sports world. I work at Sports Radio 810 WHB. Got a show once a week over there. I also work for ESPN Kansas City. Got a show Monday through Friday, 10 to 11 a.m. So sports has really become my whole identity, my whole world. But you know with this podcast, we're not ranging off into other topics or other teams. We are going to be talking about your Kansas City Royals for 30 straight minutes. And I know today um, is going to be our final episode of the week. It's been a little bit chaotic wanting to get the three episodes per week that I usually guarantee you guys were in a different location. So kind of trying to piece together this podcasting background. We've got some new equipment, uh, which of course has really turned the quality into a, a much better production overall. So we're very happy about that. We hope you're enjoying the new production that we have here. Um, I know that we used to have a TV behind us that displayed the Lockdown Royals, you know, a channel, but don't have that up and running right now. So bear with me. I apologize for some of the mistakes. I apologize for, you know, really loading up the week with just three episodes and we'll be kind of quiet for a while. But I at least wanted to give you guys some good content before I go out of town. We'll be back and giving you brand new podcasts in the new year as we inch closer to opening day. 2024. So very, very excited about that. Let's dive right into it. And I told you guys yesterday that I was going to be talking more and more about this rotation and the guys in this rotation. And I want to probably get a breakdown of every single one of those guys before the start of the season. Hell, probably before spring training. I wanted to get a breakdown on each and every one of them, what you can expect, and really where we should set that bar, right? What should we actually need these guys to do what's the ceiling of this guy what's the floor of this guy and i don't think there's a better guy to start with than michael walker who is going to be the number one of this team heading into opening day i guess matt quattrero could do whatever he wanted to he could start seth lugo on opening day he could start cole reagan's hell he could start brady singer on opening day but to me you paid michael walker to be this guy Uh, michael walker is going to be the number one in my opinion. Then I'd imagine they'll hand it off to Seth Lugo or Reagan's kind of a coin flip there. And then, of course, the third guy would be whoever they didn't pick for the second day. So there's the top three. But I know a lot of fans out there are going to be questioning, you know, with Michael Walker, what can we expect from Michael Walker? Is he the the James Shields bulldog that we've been desperately buying for for the last 10 years or so? The guy that says, give me the damn ball and I'm going to give you six scoreless innings. Where I'm going to give you seven innings of two-run ball. Now, that's the guy the Royals have desperately been needing. The stopper, if you will. And so I wanted to ask the question, is Michael Walker the winner the Royals have been looking for? And I know that sounds cliche. That sounds like a varsity baseball coach trying to talk of his team. A winner. You know, what does that really mean? Well, I would say it's pretty simple. Does this guy put you in really good chances to win baseball games? That's the overarching question Question here of a number one. Now, let's get this right out of the way. Let's get this confirmed. Michael Walker is not a 200 innings guy. Okay, so if you were expecting him to be this 200 inning workhorse, I'm sorry, that's just not the likelihood. He's never done it in his career. In fact, the most innings he ever threw was back in the Royals World Championship year. He threw 181 for the Cardinals. In 2015, it was also the year, I believe, he earned his only all-star appearance. So Michael Walker is not this decorated guy, and he also went through some lulls. There were times in his late 20s that I think a lot of people were debating, man, you know, is Michael Walker ever going to be that youngster again that was you know dominating the National League Central, that was pitching in big playoff games? Are we ever going to get that Michael Walker back? Well, he kind of changed himself a little bit. And he's bounced around the league a good bit. He's pitched for the Cardinals. He's pitched for the Rays, for the Mets, for the Red Sox, for the Padres, and now the Royals. But I think it is very noteworthy that Michael Walker, who's not near the end of his career. I mean, folks, he just is about to turn 33. In fact, I think he either just turned 33 or he might be, oh, he's still a ways away from 33. He'll be 32 until July 1st. So you don't have a guy that's 37, 38, like Zach Granke last year being your number one. You have a guy that's still somewhat in the prime of his career. But you could probably make the case that over the last two years, Michael Walker has been a winner. And the Royals saw that. I mean, you go back to his his time in Boston. That was 2022. He was 11-2 and over 23 starts. He threw 171 in the third innings. His whip was below league average, didn't walk anybody, decent strikeout numbers, and his ERA was 3.32. Then San Diego saw that and said, I think we can make him better. I think we could put him in this rotation. He's not going to be asked to be the number one or the number two. He should feed really well off Seth Lugo and feed really well off Blake Snell. And he goes over the course of 24 starts. He goes 14-4, and 3.22 ERA, 134 in a third innings, which was his highest total. Since 2017, I mean, a lot of things to like here, but that does scream winner to me. You know, I'm not a big proponent of pitchers' wins and losses. I really don't buy into that. But what I will say is that if you've got 11 wins, so you got 14 wins and you don't have many losses to your name, right? I mean, you take those two years, I know it's kind of dumb to do, but Michael Walker's is 25 and 6, right? So he's gotten a lot of decisions, He pitches very well, for the most part, over the course of extended periods of time. And that, to me, screams winner. Bulldog? Probably not. You know, when I think Bulldog, I think 200-inning guy, he's got the flair, he's got the intensity. I don't believe the Royals truly have that right now. I think Cole Reagans has that possibility of being your Bulldog. But I still want to wait and see until I get it on display. But with Lugo and with Michael Walker, these are guys that are supposed to be the... The mild manner, the veteran presence, but also productive veteran presence. That's where it was kind of different last year. I think Zach Granke was this guy that was the veteran presence. Everybody looked up to Zach Granke. I mean, your Hall of Famer, first ballot Hall of Famer, but he also didn't really have the production. You know, so there's value in having a veteran presence and a productive veteran presence. Everybody can talk your ear off and say, how, you know, what was it like back when you were in your mid 20s, your, your early 30s? How'd you get through, guys? And it's a lot different when that guy can tell you it and then also go out there and not pitch well every fifth day. And a guy that can tell you about how you get through your mid-20s, your young 20s, and then you pitch very well every fifth day. I think Seth Lugo and Michael Walker can both do that. I I think what J.J. Bacola saw in that is two guys that, quite frankly, just make this rotation a lot better. You don't have to sweat through every single start. Are there going to be bad outings for Michael Walker and Seth Lugo? Absolutely, there are as is every guy in this rotation, there's going to be a bad night or two. In fact, a lot more than just one or two. There's going to be probably in a great year, four to five really bad starts where they just don't give you what you're expecting. But it's about the next time out. What can you do the next time out? Do you let it snowball like Brady Singer did last year? Do you build off a really good starts or do you torpedo the one right after that? That to me can scream a winner. If you can rebound well, And you can carry confidence and momentum start after start after start. That is what I look for when the Royals are trying to identify a number one. Michael Walker, by the end of the year, is likely not going to be this team's number one. The best case scenario is that Cole Reagans or Brady Singer has emerged as this team's number one. But to get to that point, you need to stabilize the rotation. And you do so with guys like Michael Walker and Seth Lugo. So to answer... This very long question, I do believe Michael Walker is the winner the Royals need. 200 inning workhorse? I'm probably going to say no, but overall, I am going to say that he is a winner. We're going to take our first break of the show. When we come back, we're going to dive into some guys that may have a short leash in 2024. We'll dive into that next on Lockdown Royals. You are tuned into Lockdown Royals on the Lockdown Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jack Johnson. You can give me a follow on Twitter at underscore 15 that's at J-O-H-N-Y-J underscore one five. Before we go any further, let's give a shout out to the title sponsor today in FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 line bet. That's $150 bucks if your team wins. So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use and there's a wide range of betting options that include spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit fanduel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. That's FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. Well, I feel like, now, even though we have discussed this in actually the last two podcast episodes of guys that I think deserve a second chance, guys that I don't believe get the benefit of the doubt, I thought it was very timely to kind of meet in the middle with this next segment and say, well, there are guys I believe in. But those guys also have short leashes, okay? I, I do not want to see the Royals in 2024 drag out a guy who hasn't been able to produce in two to three years and say, well, just give him time. Once he gets healthy, once he gets a hot streak, then we'll be rolling. I, I don't want to see that. That's the different ideology I want to see in 2024. If a guy ain't cutting it and he's had his chances, this is a business. At the end of the day, sports is a business. If you can't cut it, you are going to be cut. You are going to be moved on from. You have to have the depth. You've got to have the the talent behind that guy to make that move. And I think that right now, there are, give or take, five to six guys. And I may not give you all five in this segment. It depends on the timing and how long I ramble on for. But there's about five to six guys, in my opinion, that have a short leash with the Royals. And they're probably not going to come as a shock to you. Some may, some may not. But to me, this is one of those teams that has made made its goal clear, I guess I should say. You don't go out there and add Michael Walker, Seth Lugo, Hunter Renfro, Will Smith, Nick Anderson, Chris Stratton. Those may not seem like big names, but the Royals, they are. You don't make moves like that increase your payroll to be the highest in the American League Central, top 10 in the American League, middle of the pack in Major League Baseball and then just go, well, it's still an evaluation year. That that's over. Right, that's a good thing. And I think last year we even saw a little bit of a difference with JJ Piccolo, Hunter Dozier never got things going. They did cut bait and they ate the money. That's hard to do. We always talk about in baseball, it's it's fake money, right? You see Shohei Otani and Yamamoto sign for a billion dollars combined and we just think money's fake, right? But paying eight and a half million dollars to a guy who's no longer on your team, it's tough to do. That's a tough pill to swallow. I promise I'm not making excuses for bad play or bad ownership or bad front office management. But to me, this is when we're going to see a different year because there are guys that are pounding on the door to take some of these guys' spots. Number one to me is a pretty obvious one. It's Kyle Isbell. I have come around on Kyle Isbell. I think that he is a... Defensive mastermind. He is great out there in center field. Never have to worry about defensive miscues and center. I can expect the web gems. I can expect the above average plays. But what everybody wants to see Kyle Isbell do is have the offense come around, the bat come around. And the reality is, in his first couple years in the league, the bat hasn't. Okay. And time always runs out on a player. Now he has had the unfortunate you know, path to the big leagues. He, I thought he was rushed a little bit. Then he had the COVID year. So you you're, you sit back in the COVID year, you debut in 21, and opening day. You're the starting right fielder. You hit well for a little bit. Then you kind of tail off. Then you deal with injuries. Like it's not really been smooth to me. But it's also, as I said, a business. And when you've got guys behind him, Drew Waters, you know, maybe you could give a chance to, Samad Taylor, Javi Vaz is not far behind him. Maybe Nick Lofting could play center. Like, there are guys waiting in line to take over the center field job. If you can't cut it at the plate, it's going to be move-on time. It's going to be, all right, we like the defense, but you may just be a fourth outfielder for this team. So he, to me, is the top of the list, the short leash there. The guy with the next shortest leash is going to be Michael Massey for me. I love Michael Massey, and I may be in the minority, but Michael Massey, I think, has enough in the tank to become a valuable second baseman, because like Isbell, he's got great defense. He's got great defense over at second base, and I saw the numbers in the minors. Right, I saw the number. I saw him play in person in the minors. I think there is some juice in that bat. We saw it and you know, running into 15 home runs last year. I mean... For as bad as he was at the plate, there is some raw power there. And for his guy, for a guy his size, that's about bat speed. That's about leverage. That's not just about muscling up all the time. There are tools in there I really like. But as I said, if I'm going to be critical of Kyle Isbell, I have to have Michael Massey in the same conversation, especially since Nick Lofton would be next in line. You know, if Nick Lofton can take that spot and hit better, then Michael Massey's going to be the odd man out. But I think he knows that too. I mean, you're going up on year two and a half, really. It feels like, to me, this is when you have to make that jump. Can't be waiting around too long. And also, Javi Vaz, who's one of my favorite prospects on there, we'll talk about prospects to watch in our final segment, he can play second base. And eventually, you know, Caden Wallace, a guy that is in double-A and hopefully with a hot start, can get near the bigs by the end of the year, he's going to probably have to move a position. Who knows where they can move him to, but... Michael Massey, I mean, it, it's put-up-or-shut-up time. It's the big leagues. Can't have a slow start like you did last year, he's the, so he's the second guy with a short leash to me. Number three, this may be the shocking one to me, but now I think there's more depth in the rotation that you could theoretically move on from. It's Brady Singer. I think they want Brady Singer to pitch incredibly well, not just for the Royals' postseason chances, American League Central title chances, because they're going to need that. They need 2022 version, but I think also his trade bait. But if Brady Singer enters 2024 with the same problems that have bugged him since 2020, the reluctance of throwing the change up, the stubbornness in that sense, then you might have to make the tough decision. Now, I think Brady Singer could catch on somewhere else. But if he's never going to change his ways, there are other guys that might be more deserving of a spot. And you know what? I'm going to throw Daniel Lynch into that as well. Daniel Lynch isn't more so stubborn. We just haven't seen him grab a spot and run with it. We haven't gotten to that point at any time in his career. You know, Brady Singer did it in 2022. We actually have proof that he has taken a spot and said, it's mine, I'm not letting it go. Daniel Lynch never really has. I think Chris Bubich tried to, but at the end of the day, I don't think we've ever seen Daniel Lynch do it. So Singer and Lynch, to me, they're kind of in that category. I think the Royals have already started to move on I mean, obviously, on paper, they have from that 18 draft class. John Heasley got traded. Jackson Coar got traded. You know, who knows what the plan will be for Singer, Lynch, and and um, Chris Bubich moving forward. But to me, this is one of those things where you have some guys who could take some starts. Alec Marsh could. Angel Serpa could. Anthony Veneziano could. I know Jordan Lyles is back there, but I just, I expect more out of Brady Singer than I do Jordan Lyles. I really do. And Brady Singer's got that potential to significantly make this rotation better. But it's going to have to come down to how how much that change is going to be put in place. If you can throw that change up and that change up looks good, man, Brady Singer can take off again. I really think he can. But if you are just a two-pitch guy, I don't know what the hope is at that point. I really don't. So there's about four guys I have right now. Maybe I'll reveal the other two down the road, but for now, because of time constraints, I'm just going to give you those four that I think have a really short leash going into 2024. All right, before we move on to our final segment, I want to give a shout out to Locked On Sports Today. It's here for you 24-7 covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. So go right now, or maybe go after this podcast, I should say. Go to Locked On Sports Today and be the next subscriber over there. When we return, we're going to talk about some prospects that I believe you should watch early on in April and May because I think they can make a significant jump this coming summer. That's next on Locked On Royals. You are tuned into Locked On Royals on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jack Johnson. Be sure to give me a follow on Twitter at underscore 15 That's at J-O-H-N-Y-J-15. The last thing I want to dive into, not only for this episode, but for this week, I'm going to be out of town Wednesday through January 1st, so next time you get an episode will probably be around next time this week, or this week next time, I guess I should say. I got twisted over my words there. Might be next Wednesday, might be next Thursday, but I wanted to give you, the listeners, at least three episodes this week, even if there wasn't much news going on, because I want to keep that threshold the same. I don't want to go through some weeks where I give you one episode a week or two episodes. It's got to be three, and... Maybe some down the road might get back to four and five even before we're supposed to on the Lockdown Podcast Network because we know how much you fans are anticipating the start of this season. I want to make sure that you're getting the best possible content mostly every day. or Most of those days, most of those weeks, even if we have to make up some fun segments to get us through the offseason. But one thing I am really looking forward to, more than just the Major League roster, more than seeing this team back on the field. It's got to be the prospects. And it is a farm system, not too high on I do not think this farm system is going to generate many top 100 talents. But I really believe there are some diamonds in the rough. Uh, Some guys that are going to wow you two years from now. I, I didn't really take Frank Mozacado or Ben Kudernas guys that were just going to wow me 2 years down the road. I thought they'd be good prospects and I still believe that to be the case. Really did. But I never looked at them even after the draft and a year into that thinking, that's an ace. Right? That is a guy that is going to grab the ball. We talked about you no know, winners in the first segment. We talked about guys that can really pop off the page. But there are guys that are just good starters and I think Frank Mozacado's that. I think Ben Kouderna is more of an ace potential guy than Mazzucato, but Kuderna is still kind of in that two to three range. There are guys in this past draft class that I think can be frontline guys, and it's going to take some time because they're high school arms, but you're hoping that two years down the road, you're going, wow, w- which draft class were they in again? Who were they picked behind? Because these weren't first-round picks. Now, the common perception of many draft classes in general. This is not just the Royals. This is anybody in sport. You most of the time judge a bad team's draft class based off how the first round pick did. I've noticed that in the NFL. I've noticed that in the NBA, even though the NBA's got two picks. And I've definitely noticed that in baseball because there's so many rounds, guys get lost in all the discussions and stuff. But the Royals who notoriously bomb their first picks, right? they don't look good at all. We kind of forget about picks two, three, four, and five, because when you're picking top 10, you better not miss, right? You better not miss on those picks, and the Royals miss a lot. And in 2023, right, the Royals go the very aggressive approach and the risky approach of going Blake Mitchell, who was a prep-hitting catcher and... Just, I keep saying on paper a lot, so I probably need to stop doing that. But I got to use it again. On paper, not a great pick. Because the track record is not good for prep catchers. You have to go back to Joe Maurer, the last time a guy was selected top 10, a prep hitting catcher, and really became a stud. And Joe Maurer, I mean, you're talking about Hall of Fame ballot. This is a a a once-in-a-generational player. I mean, a generational talent we are talking about. But I'm not going to sit here and say, well, Blake Mitchell's my guy to watch early. Of course, he has to be. We got to see what he looks like and what Kyle Teal looks like, the guy that I wanted the Royals to take with their pick in the first round. But they go with the upside. They go with the upside rather than the safe pick of a college bat. I I didn't think that they needed to be overly aggressive there, but Danny ontem this front office, they thought Blake Mitchell was the guy they really wanted, and they were in on him for quite some time. So we'll see how that plays out. But my point is, we usually draft what the first-round pick does. But we really need to pay attention. I think a lot of Royals fans need to pay attention to the later picks in this class. And not so much, you know, round seven, eight, nine. I think there are studs there, like Trevor Werner. Love Carson Rockerfort. Love Hunter Owen. Those guys, to me, really pop. You know, Spencer Nivens. And Jared Dickey. I mean, there are guys that I think are going to make a fast rise through the system. Not just because they're good. Of course, the farm system is a little bit weak, so we'll have those chances. Because I think there is big league potential there. But two guys that I am going to watch early on, Blake Walters and Hero Wyatt. Those two guys, to me, have ace potential. They really do. Um, I was thrilled about the Hero Wyatt pick. I was not as high immediately on the Blake Walters pick because I thought, man, you're, you're going under slot with Mitchell and then, You seemingly went under slot again, but they overslotted for Blake Walters. And it was a big reason why. Now, just because you throw hard, just because you've got great stuff, doesn't make you a big leader. But why I was never as high on Frank Mazzucato is because as great as that curveball was like, Barry Zito-esque, the velocity wasn't there for an 18-year-old. It was firm. It was decent. But it was about 88 to 90 miles an hour, which is where he is now. Blake Mitchell is topping out at 98 at 18 years old. That, to me, has ace potential. When you've got a guy that can run it up there at 18 and with control, and he looked good in the instruct leagues, he's striking out Brewers' first-round picks, guys that are older than him because he's got a power fastball, sitting about 94-96, can reach 98 with a power slider. That is impressive to me. Now, with Hero Wyatt, of all the guys that I looked at, watched film on, scouted, might have had the most disgusting slider I had seen of anybody in the first two rounds. Um, There was talented guys, talented arms, but mercy. I mean, there is this one video out there on Twitter, I keep going back and watching of his, where it's this ump view, basically, of his slider. And pitches shouldn't move like that for big league pitchers, let alone 18-year-olds. So Hero Wyatt, to me, is kind of in that same category. If the velocity stays up, if you can get him to mid to upper 90s, that's something you can really work with. And I'm excited to see wherever they start, it might be low A Columbia. They might start him in, you know, Arizona to begin the year. But to me, those are guys that I think about two years from now, you're starting to wonder how much longer do they need in the farm system? I could always be wrong. And like everybody knows from just being a baseball fan, maybe your entire life, or maybe you're a, Moneyball nut like me, and I can quote Moneyball over and over and over again, but just dealing with scouts and dealing with high schoolers. You, you can't go inside the mind of an 18, 19-year-old kid and expect what he's going to be or, or like predict what he's going to be. I'm not going to sit here and tell you absolutely undoubtedly Lake Walters and Hero Wyatt are going to be aces in Kansas City, but I think they've got the potential. They're just kind of trying to think like a scout, trying to to step inside the mind of a scout. I'm sure that's what the Royals saw. You you go over slot with a high school arm, you clearly see something there that many teams did not. Or you went with Blake Mitchell instead of Teal because you had Blake Walters on your chart. But those are two guys that I think once they get to 20, 21 years old and hopefully in double at that point, you're going, damn. Those were two really good picks in the 2023 draft. And that is true whether Blake Mitchell is good or not, or the rest of the guys are good. I just think the ceiling for those guys is tremendously high. Well, that is going to do it for another edition of Lockdown Royals on the Lockdown Podcast Network. I've been your host, Jack Johnson. Be sure to give me a follow on Twitter at underscore 15 That's at J-O-H-N-Y-J-15. Also catch us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, and on YouTube just be sure to subscribe. We're going to have about a week off. We got our three episodes in for the week. I'll be going out of town, but I will be back in action in the new year, 2024, with more hard-hitting content coming your way. But until next week, you take it easy, Kansas City.